Thank you for joining us for Sunday Worship. As a church family, we share our time, our talents, and our wealth. Normally, we would be passing the collection plates, and we would be together in our church. However, since we are unable to be together, we are asking for your support. Checks can be mailed to Harriston United Church at P.O. Box 298, Harriston, Ontario, N0G, 1Z0. There is also a donate button on our website www.harristonunited.com for those who would like to donate online. Thank you so much for your continued support. I invite you to join with me in our call to worship and our opening prayer. Gentle and patient, God, you are calling. Careful and persistent, God, you are calling. In grieving and in praising, God, you are calling. Through dawn and midday, God, you are calling. Unexpected and planned, God, you are calling. In a still small voice and in power, God, you are calling. Spontaneous and prepared, God, you are calling. Willing or protected, God, you are calling. Our God is eager to share with us wherever we are in our journey. May we be diligent to listen. God, you are calling. And let us pray together. Holy God, you meet us where we are, calling us by name, calling us to community, calling us to discipleship. Bless our worship that we may encounter your presence, healing and renewing us, inspiring and leading us. Amen. Today's Minute for Mission is about the amazing generosity during the COVID-19 crisis. Because of your regular mission and service gifts, we are able to respond quickly when emergencies strike. Mission and service partners deliver rice to people in need in the Philippines, such as this fellow behind me. Together we can accomplish far more than we ever could alone. This has never proven more true than during the global pandemic. In emergencies, whether floods, explosions, or viruses, the United Church often launches appeals, and thankfully, generous church members step up to offer support. When COVID-19 struck, the United Church asked members to make a special gift to help those most affected by the virus. Your response was amazing. Together, we raised over $280,000 to support those around the world who are struggling because of the pandemic. But did you know that it's because of your regular mission and service gifts that we are able to respond quickly when emergencies strike? There are two key components of re responsible fundraising, raising money and ensuring that it gets where it's needed most. Over the years, your reliable mission and service gifts have helped our church develop a network of trusted partnerships all across the world. 
In turn, that means we know exactly who to work with in times of crisis. So your gifts are directed quickly, responsibly, and effectively when disaster strikes. Through the COVID-19 crisis, we have and continue to work through mission and service partners to help distribute food and to support communications projects to disseminate health and safety information. We're providing medicine, soap, sanitation stations, and personal protective equipment to frontline workers. We're working to ensure that those living with chronic illnesses or who are immune compromised receive timely treatment. We're protecting children in parts of the world where they are more vulnerable than ever to human trafficking. Your faithful generosity through mission and service means that we are there no matter where in the world tragedy strikes. By giving regularly, you are helping to set the foundation for a quick response when the unimaginable happens. Thank you for your ongoing support. Your commitment to make the world a better place truly does make all the difference. Today's reading is from John chapter 1, verses 43 to 51 taken from the New International Version. Jesus calls Philip and Nathanael. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, Follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus said, You believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. He then added, very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Friends, let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of each one of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In today's Gospel reading from John, we hear one of the call stories that appear in our biblical narrative. As McCall and I were planning for worship, we realized that we would hear call stories both this week and next week, and that this presented a wonderful opportunity for the two of us to share our own personal call stories. We are doing this not because we think God only calls people into ministry, but because we think it's important 
to hear the journey that ministers take and that each one of those journeys is unique. So here is my story. The first time that I can remember hearing the call of God, I was 12. Quite casually, I mentioned to my mom that I thought perhaps God wanted me to go into ministry. And to her credit, my mom didn't laugh or tell me that I was talking nonsense. She just smiled and nodded and said, well, that might be interesting. I think you should keep listening to what God is saying. So as I journeyed through those last few years of elementary school and entered into high school, I kept my ears and my heart open to whatever message God had for me. It was an interesting time in life to be discerning a call to ministry. When we graduated from grade eight, other students in my class put in our handmade yearbook that they were hoping to become police officers, teachers, nurses, lawyers, and doctors. And then there was me who wrote beside my name, thinking about becoming a minister. What I find so interesting about my discernment at that point was that I had never seen or heard a female minister in the pulpit. I can truthfully say that I actually had no idea if I'd be allowed as a girl to be a preacher. I knew I could help out in church, but to be the minister would be another thing entirely. Then midway through my grade nine year, our church called a female minister. And it was the very first time I had seen or heard a woman preach from the pulpit. For this young girl who was still hearing a call from God to enter into ministry, having a woman in the pulpit was a revelation, especially a woman who was married and raising a family. I remember thinking, oh my word, it is possible to be female and to be a minister. Throughout those teenage years, I explored even more fully what it meant to be involved in the church as an active member of my congregation. I taught Sunday school, videotaped worship services, sat on committees, and even volunteered to be the youth group representative on the church council. My life revolved around the church, and I often found myself in the halls of the building multiple times during the week. Then in my grade 12 year came the moment when my call was firmly cemented, at least in my heart. I registered to be a part of the co-op program through my high school, which counted for two credits. While my fellow students wanted to do their co-ops in school classrooms or dental offices, I wanted to do something related to the church. Needless to say, I was the very first student to make this request and it caused my co-op teachers to pause. They honestly had no idea what to do with me. Then a miracle happened. Unbeknownst to me, the new Christian education minister of my home congregation called the school 
and wondered if it was possible to have a co-op student at the church. My teacher excitedly gave me the information one day, and when I saw the name on the sheet of paper, I just laughed. It was what I called a God thing. At this point, there were three ministers serving my home congregation, and all of them were women. For the next four months, for three hours every morning, Monday to Friday, I worked with them on various aspects of ministry. With Christine, I learned about administration, small groups, and the nitty-gritty work of ministry. With Janet, I learned about pastoral care and visiting. And with Sue, I learned about preaching and leading worship. My main project for my co-op was planning and organizing two worship services for White Gift Sunday. At the one service, we put on an intergenerational play, which was a lot of fun. And at the second service, I preached my very first sermon at the age of 17. I'll be honest and say that as I walked into the church that day, processing in behind the choir, I was pretty sure I was either going to be sick or faint. But as I stood up in the pulpit and looked out into the congregation, I saw the smiling faces of all those amazing people who supported me, and I felt this deep calm wash over me. It was almost as if God was saying, I have you, no worries. Take a deep breath, share the good news. After that moment, Life seemed to happen in slow motion and yet be a bore, for there were so many steps to take to formally enter into ministry. The next few years were filled with undergraduate studies, discernment committee meetings, and presbytery and conference interviews where my call was affirmed by others. And finally, I was declared an official candidate for ordained ministry. Studies at Emmanuel College in Toronto followed with full days of classes towards my Master's of Divinity degree, field education work in the chaplaincy department at Sick Kids Hospital, and an eight-month internship at one of the best rural ministry places I know, Oyen and Serial, Alberta. And then finally, on May 15th, 2004, I stood in front of the meeting of London Conference and made my vows to the ministry of word, sacrament, and pastoral care, and then knelt, and by the laying on of hands, the court ordained me. I still remember tears streaming down my face as I looked out into the congregation and noticed for the first time the dozens of people who had made the trek from Sarnia to the, London, to the convention center in London to worship this day. The people who had helped to raise me, who had helped me to discern my call, who had helped me to realize that even though I was only 25 and looked more like I was 16, that God needed me to serve in the church in that time and in that place. I believe God has continued to use me for better or for worse with all my stumbling and successes to minister to God's people in the church in this time and in this place. 
A few years ago, I was interviewed for the United Church's national website about my call to ministry, and I said this. I can honestly say that ministry has been everything I thought it would be, as well as nothing that I thought it would be. It has been my greatest joy and my deepest frustration. And every single day, I feel that I am growing more fully into my call. I can't imagine doing anything else. The call to follow Jesus and to live in the light of his teachings and love is one that is meant for every one of us, not just those who follow a specific call into formal ministry. We are all called to be disciples. Jesus calls us to follow and the grace is that we are not left on our own to live this life of faith. In the body, life and ministry of Jesus, the light of God shines and we are called to live into this light. A light that is always participatory and communal. It is for all who long to live in a way that reflects the grace and mercy and love of our God. The divine light that Jesus calls us to live in is a gift from God, which saves, illumines and guides. And as we are called to be followers of this light, we are also called to help guide others in their journey, to help point others to the true light of faith, to get others to come and see the love that we have already experienced. How can we do this? It may be with a simple word of wisdom or a gentle gesture of love, a word of encouragement or a conversation that challenges. It may be a listening ear to someone who needs to give voice. It may be living in a way that relieves the burdens of others and therefore shines the light of God. The light of God revealed in the life and ministry of Jesus is a gift to all people. And as beloved children of God, we are called to live in this light, to let it direct our path and to share its light with others. The call to be disciples of Christ is a call to be in community, to walk alongside others who have also heard the call and to invite others to come and see the amazing things that God is doing in our midst. We are invited to say, come and see what God is doing, even among the muck and the chaos of the world. We are invited to say, come and see what God is accomplishing among the impossible and common moments. We are invited to say, come and see what God is achieving through the lives, actions, and faith of ordinary people like you and me. Friends, Jesus calls us into relationship with one another, with him and through him, with God, the true light of our world. Years ago, Jesus said, follow me, and the disciples followed where he led. They didn't know what would happen or what the future would hold. But in Jesus, they saw a light that would guide them to truth and love. We are also called to follow, to drop our reservations, our anxieties and our doubts, to leave all that behind and to walk in the light of God's love. We are called to listen to the teachings of Jesus that both comfort and challenge, 
and allow our lives to be transformed by them. We are called to be inspired by those who have walked this path before us and to be role models for the generations yet to come. We are called to turn away from all that belittles and demeans and humiliates and to reorient our lives and our society into one that honors and lifts up and praises our fellow travelers on this road of life. We are called to live into the kingdom of heaven right here and now, in this time and in this place. We are called to work each day together with God's help to make it happen. Friends, may we hear this call and may we call out to others to come and see the true light of our faith, the life, ministry, and teachings of Jesus Christ. May we live into the light of God's love this day and every day. Thanks be to God. Amen. I invite you to join me in our prayers of the people. Let us pray. God ever leading, you call us to discipleship, to journey with Christ in the path of hope, justice, and reconciliation. We give you thanks for the rich blessings of this life, for friends and family who call, video chat, send cards, for our church family who holds us in prayer and offers us support, for the beauty of nature, and for the peaceful and strengthening moments you give to us. Help us to remain ever mindful of the rich blessings of life. We give you thanks, O oh God, for the many various gifts that are shared, the gifts of time, talent, prayer, and money that enable your church to continue to be a place of healing in this time. Bless these gifts and all that we share. We hold in prayer our neighbors in the United States as they struggle with the painful events of recent weeks, including the violence at the Capitol building, as they make sense of division, hatred, extremism, and violence of word and action. We pray for a peaceful transition of power. We pray for President-elect Joe Biden and Vice President-elect Kamala Harris, and for all who are working to bring st stability and peace in this transition. We pray for our own country, for all who experience discrimination, systemic injustice, violence and fear, for all who are working to bring healing and justice to fruition. Make us channels of your peace, heal the places within that divide us from others. Wash from within us the messages and temptations of discrimination. Work through us to heal the places of systemic injustice and lead us in paths of reconciliation and renewal. We pray for all who are susceptible to conspiracy theories and false ideologies. We pray for all who turn hatred and violence on others and for all who cling ruthlessly to power. We pray for all who share and promote false and hatred, full harmful information, 
Lead them, O God, to healing, repentance, and reconciliation. We pray, O God, for all who are struggling through this ongoing pandemic. We pray for all healthcare workers, remembering especially those who work in ICUs, testing centers, and the front lines of this difficult time. We pray for all who are working to help distribute and administer the vaccines. We pray for all who are feeling exhausted, anxious, burned out, afraid. We lament the death of so many. We lament the difficult situations that healthcare workers now face. We lament the long-term health issues faced by many. Guide our love, O oh God, that we may help strengthen and encourage each other. We pray for all who work in public health and all who are responsible for setting policy and guiding us. We pray for Dr. Ian Era, Dr. Nicola Mercer, Dr. David Williams. We offer to you now, O oh God, our individual prayers. We pray all this in Jesus' name, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Friends, as we finish this time of worship, as we continue to live out our discipleship, may God bless us and keep us. And may God continue to guide us in the way of Christ. May we encounter God's continuous calling to live justly, love kindness, and walk humbly with God. Go in love, go in peace, and go with God. Amen. Thank you for joining us this week for Sunday worship. As a church family, we would normally be in our building and we could pass the collection plates. We share our time, our talents, and our treasure. However, since we are unable to be together, we are asking for your continued support. You can e-transfer to treasure at graceunitedhanover.ca or graceuc at whiteman.ca. Checks can also be mailed to Grace United Church, 310 12th Street, Hanover, Ontario, N4N1V6. Thank you for your support.